This is Bishop Michael Curry, and you're listening to The Way of Love. In this episode, we're talking about the practice we call turn, pause, listen, and choose to follow Jesus. May the way open before you. May you see beyond darkness and light to the love you are, to the love you bring into the world. Welcome back to The Way of Love, a podcast from the Episcopal Church about following Jesus and changing the world. I'm Sandy Milian, and I'm here with Kyle Oliver. Thanks, Sandy. Another reminder for everyone that the way of love practices are turn, learn, pray, worship, bless, go, and rest. And today we're going to talk about what it means to turn. That it's right. We're going to start off with a conversation between Bishop Curry and Canon Stephanie Spellers, who talk a bit about a couple of understandings of turn, and then we'll come back and add some of our own experiences. That sounds great. Let's go to Canon Spellers and Bishop Curry. I just want to maybe start out with a little bit of, of clarification because when we hear that word turn and think of it as a spiritual practice, there are a lot of ways to approach it. When we especially are focused on the way of love, what we're really talking about is turning toward God, mm-hmm. turning and saying, I know right now I am on a path that is not leading me closer to God, but I want to turn toward God. Mm-hmm. I know I'm on a path that, frankly, fulfills some of my own selfish interests, but doesn't really fulfill my purpose in God's world, in God's dream. Mm. So how do I turn toward God? So with that in mind, understanding turning to be that kind of practice of coming home again to God, how is it that you and your life have turned? Has there ever been a moment when you found yourself on a path, maybe moving a little further from God, and felt like, wait, 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 I'm going home to God. Mm-hmm. You know, it, there are big moments and there are little moments, and the little moments tend to be more continuous. And what I mean by that is the turning image, as you were talking about turning, which is the word that's actually behind the word repent. I mean, we think repent is beating up on yourself because I've been bad. It's actually turning to, to repent is to turn um toward God, from the path or direction I was going away from God to turn toward God. And the image that I was having as you were talking about it was the image of a flower, that 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 turning from the darkness to the light, to the source of light, and receiving the energy of the light so that the plant actually lives. That's what turning is, ab- is about, turning from the darkness or from that which doesn't feed and doesn't nurture, turning to the source of the life energy, the light, that which gives life. And so the experience that I've had most consistently of turning has happened when I've turned away from the light and realized that and deliberately and intentionally turned back toward it. Let me give you, tell you what I mean by that. I really do believe that um, that that Jesus of Nazareth, um, that if you look at Jesus carefully at the way he lives his life, both what he taught and what he did and how he did it, that what you see are some a bunch of characteristics. But among them is he's loving, um, he's liberating, and he's life giving. 
And I think that reflects God. That's what we mean by Jesus. That's part of what we mean by Jesus being the Word of God made flesh, that, 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 that Jesus is the human face of God. So to turn is to turn into the direction of that which is loving, that which is liberating, and that which is life-giving. That is to turn in the direction of God. And where I've seen that in my own life is when I'm on my regular schedule and I'm just doing stuff and doing what I have. We all do this. I mean, you got to do th- you got to do stuff. That's part of working. It's part of living. You got to do stuff. If you, anybody who has got a family and raised kids, you got to keep the house going. You got to get the kids to school. You got to do this. You got to feed them. You got to make sure you got to work. You got to get an income. You got to pay bills. You got to do this. You got to do that. And all of that's necessary. But sometimes when that is all that you do and all that you are, that which is necessary may not be loving, may not be liberating, and may not be life-giving. And sometimes you have to stop and turn back to the source. You see what I'm getting at? Like that flower like turning that back flower. to the light. Yes, and to get the life-giving energy from the source of love and life and liberty itself. And that's, that, you see what I mean? That's what everybody thinks about repentance and turning as it's just about being bad or being good. No, it's about turning away from that which does not give life to that which is actually life-giving. Um, and that's God. Ultimately, that's God. I mean, where it happens most regularly is where I find myself on the treadmill, not even paying attention to why am I running on this? What's this about? And having to either stop the treadmill, as I said, jump off the treadmill, or slow it up just enough so that I can think, okay, be still, know that God is God, now go forward again. Take a minute and reflect on something that might be turning you away from God, away from the light. How might you turn back to that which is loving, liberating, and life-giving? So there was a word that I heard you mention when you were sharing about um, about turning toward God, and that word, take a deep breath, was sin. S I N. S I N. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people have a difficult relationship with even just the word sin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they have felt just beaten over the head with it. They have felt oppressed by it, and yet. 
the idea of sin, understanding sin, like it doesn't go away. Like mm-hmm. for Christians and really for anyone who's trying to follow a path toward wholeness and being loving, there's got to be an understanding of sin. Mm-hmm. So how do you break that open for people? And I heard you offering some of this, so I just want to invite you to stay with it for a moment um, and to say, what are the teachings about sin that you find most useful? And how would you help followers of Jesus to maybe have a positive relationship or understanding of sin? You know, there is, I remember reading years ago when I was in in seminary, rather, and I believe it was in a sermon of Paul Tillich where he said sin is separation. And, and, the, and the text, if I remember correctly, was from Isaiah, either chapter 58 or 59, um, where there's just kind of this quick reference that, that said our sins or our, um, um, our wrongs have created a breach that has separated us from you, O Lord, or something like that. And, it, and the sermon is developed around that, and I don't remember all the details of that. But that image of sin um, as, as separation, that which separates us from that loving, liberating, life-giving relationship with God, that loving, liberating, and life-giving relationship with each other, and that loving, and liber- liberating, and life-giving relationship with ourselves. That's what sin is. And where I'm beginning to see that more deeply and and I think understand it a little bit more is when I begin to think of sin less as a moral infraction and more as anything that I do or any attitude that I have or anything that is within me that is all about me and discounts you or God or anybody else. I really do believe that sin really is unbridled selfishness. Now, I distinguish between that unbridled selfishness, self-centeredness, and a genuine self-love and self-esteem and self-respect. That that genuine self-love and self-respect is that capacity to honor myself as God's creation, to, you see what I mean, to, to care, you know, like Paul talks about being a temple of the spirit, to care for the temple that God has given me, care for who I am, and to love and cherish and honor that. Um, but, but selfishness, self-centeredness um, is about the whole world exists for me and to serve me and for my pleasure and for what I want and all that. And, and that is, if it's all about me, then to heck with God, to heck with you, and to heck with everybody else, and to heck with the world. That's what sin is. And that's why Tillich, I think, was right when he said that reality separates us, alienates us from God, from each other, from the creation, and ultimately from our true selves. So sin is much deeper <laughs> than what, at least what I kind of grew up thinking it was. Let me, let me do it this way. I was in conversation with somebody um, not long ago from, from a culture um, that's not particularly religious. And, and they were saying, you know, in our culture, people are asking, so why do I need a religious faith? You know, I'm a nice person. I, I, you know, leave a decent life. And, you know, I mean, I don't beat up on anybody and all that kind of stuff. And I said, well, you know, I mean, that, that's true. But I really believe that the great religious issue um, that religions engage deeply, uh, some people use the word sin, but let's, let's 
you find another word, is self-centeredness. And in my experience of life, I need help to overcome my self-centeredness. I can't just grit my teeth and make myself be unselfish. I, I just can't do that. Now, maybe that's me and not others, but I got a feeling uh, if I stepped on my own toe, I'm probably stepping on somebody else's too. I, I think that's kind of human, that, that we can't just make ourselves unselfish, that, that you almost have to, to unlearn the way of selfishness and learn selflessness to discover the true self. That's what the religious enterprise is about. Jesus said, whoever would be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. That, that's what the, the, the spiritual teachers have been trying to teach us. That's what Jesus is getting at on the way to the cross, unlearning self um, to discover the true self and show the whole world, this is how you do it. That, so I, I don't buy the argument that we don't need religious faith. We need real religious faith, not bogus religious faith that's often... Um, pervade even by the institutions of religion. Sin is real, but it's not what we used to think it was. I love the image of sin as whatever it is that's sort of turning me away from God, turning me toward <laughs> that shadow. Mm. And when I'm in that shadow place, and I'm thinking of that flower you were describing, when the flower is not turned toward the light, it kind of bows down a bit. You know, oh, yeah. the the petals tilt down, the stem tilts down, um, and that turning, turning away from that shadow, turning toward this light that is God, when we do that, we are like the flower, so stretching back up again. Yeah. Stretching back up, the petals begin to lift yes. and face toward the sun. Yes. That's a beautiful flower. Yes. That is, that is a flower fully being what that flower was supposed to be. Preach, preach. <laughs> and, and so, again, you know, it's like, yes, we may speak of sin, you know, and it's, if there's something that's bad, I guess, about sin, maybe it's really that when you're in that state of being turned away from God, alienated from God, you're going to be tilted down. You may feel, somebody may have told you, oh, when you do these things, you're going to feel good, uh, uh, and this is good for you. But if you actually look at that person or look at yourself in that state of alienation from God, you are kind of tilted down, tilted in maybe toward yourself. Hello. Mm, mm -hmm. But to be lifted up and out is a beautiful thing. Yeah. It's a, it looks like life. It yes. looks like something that can also give life to others. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that image and for that invitation to turn toward the light who is the true light, God. Yes. yes. Well, we're back and we just heard from Bishop Curry two examples of turning. One was the idea of getting off the treadmill of business and then more generally turning from selfishness toward relationship. So, Kyle, do you have another way of thinking about turn and what it means? Yeah. You know, I was thinking back to uh, an experience I had in college. So, I went to engineering school, and I feel like all I did for four and a half years was math problems. You know, it's just like <laughs> the, the, there was just this like never ending stream of problem sets that you had mm. to get through. But, um, you know, I went, I went right from undergrad to grad school. And uh, I remember I was like right back in that same pattern. You know, I had an office and after class, I would just go to the office and I would do some homework or I would work on research. 
And I would just be trudging home in the cold and the wind at like 1030 at night and, and just thinking like, this is not how you're supposed to live. And so it started with just one little turn, one little adjustment, one little mm. new practice at some time every night, six o'clock or seven o'clock or something. At some point I said, you know what, if this thing isn't due tomorrow, then that's going to be enough. And I'm going to go to the gym <laughs> and then I'm going to go home. <laughs> so I'm thinking about what what Steph said about turn toward God. Mm-hmm. But I think it is a little bit of that treadmill of busyness thing. Mm. And for me, the the turn moment was was stopping and saying like, it's okay to want a different life from this. <laughs> so yeah, not sure if I would have recognized it as a turn at the time. But uh, as I look back now, it definitely feels like a a turn toward God via sustainable living where there was actually room for something that wasn't work. Well, for me, um, the turning that happened in my life became kind of my passion. I was born in, in the Dominican Republic. I'm half Dominican, half Haitian. This island had been colonized by Spaniards and having this idea of, of whiteness and straight hair is the, uh, the norm. Mm. And even growing up, we never talked about our identity and our heritage of um, African descent, you know, our our blackness. Mm. And moving back, moving to the United States, I grew up in a more diverse community, going to a more diverse school with people from all over the world. Um, and then going to college, I had the opportunity to go to Ecuador and um, also Uganda and do really um, deep learning and research on blackness in different aspects of um, cultures. And the turning point was realizing, oh no, 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 I have to fight and I have to help others become aware that who they are is enough. You know, Mm -hmm. who they are is important. Who they are is who they are. And kind of also pushing for people in my inner circles to realize and understand that they need to leave those old, um, ways behind mm-hmm. and I'll have those conversations about creating a culture where we are accepting of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. So so same question for you, like where was God in the where was God in the turn? Growing up, also as a woman, people have so many expectations and ideals of who you should look like and um I changed my hairstyle and a lot of people were not we did not receive it well. Um, mm. They were thinking, they were saying, oh, no, you don't look, you look this certain way. And that's not supposed, that's not the way you're supposed to look. And I'll be asking God, it, how can, is, is, is this right? You know, like how, how is this helpful in my life? Like I, I wasn't, I was, it was, it was very confusing, but I think God was there by allowing those experiences going abroad and talking to different people from different cultures who were really into their culture, who were really into their, their roots to understand it's okay you know it's okay to own who you are it's okay to live in your identity and not apologize for it mm. and be proud and in that the way i want to i want to feel i want to be and i want others to to see me it was loving because i i learned to love everything of who sandy is and liberating because i was no longer shackled by the ideas of this is who Sandy is supposed to be, and this is who Sandy is supposed to look like, and blackness is is horrible and ugly in the Latinx world. No, 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 no. I was liberated, and I ha- now I have no problem going up to anybody and telling them, you are wrong. 
I am who I am and this is great and this person is who they are and this is great. So own it, live it, be okay with it. Well, that wraps it up for this episode on Turn. Thanks so much for joining us. The show was produced by Sandy Mignette and me, Kyle Oliver, and edited by me as well. Special thanks to Ana Hernandez for providing our theme and reflection music. Check out her website at anahernandez.org. You can subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts and would love it if you rate and review it or share with a friend. If you'd like to contribute music, a prayer, or feedback, write us at wayoflove@episcopalchurch.org. This is Sharon Ely Pearson from Norwalk, Connecticut. Like the disciples, we are called by Jesus to follow the way of love. Help us, O God, to remember that with your help, we can turn from the powers of sin, hatred, fear, injustice, and oppression toward the way of truth, love, hope, justice, and freedom. And that in turning, we reorient our lives to Jesus Christ, falling in love again, again, and again. Amen. The way of Jesus is the way of love, and the way of love can change the world.